Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. I got a six-year-old in my calculus class in college and it's going to take my job. What is this nonsense? Comic Sans? Butler had never seen this film and I got the indication that he hated it. She's like, you pussy, get back in the game. He rebels against maturity by taking a job at a movie theater. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's me. At a video store. Well, this is now owned by Disney, so you're going to see a remake at some point. Hello, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because of a more popular movie that was released at the same time, or the movie simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, or perhaps don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, we want to hear from you. We're on Instagram and Facebook. Find us. Our podcast is available on all platforms with a backlog of 175 episodes for your listening pleasure. What's up? Uh, I'm just, you know, <clears throat> three guys behind running through a battlefield. As long as those first three guys get hit, though, I get a gun. If they don't, you know, I just got to keep running without any kind of gun. But if I was if, it three guys, if I go back, I get shot. Uh, it was only two people. <laughs> it might as well like, have been what? three guys. Stalin sucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are we doing? We are doing the 2003 film. 2001, 2001. Film. the 2001 film enemy at the gates starring Jude law and Joseph fines and Rachel West and, and Ed Harris. <laughs> Vasily is a young Russian sharpshooter who becomes a legend when a savvy political officer makes him the hero of his propaganda campaign. Their friendship is threatened when both men fall in love with a beautiful female soldier. As the battle for the city rages, Vasily faces the ultimate challenge when the Nazi command dispatches its most elite marksman to hunt down and kill the man who has become the hope of all Russia. Mm. This is Enemy at the Gates. I knew that was coming. That's why I was waiting. <laughs> Enemy at the Gates has a runtime of 131 minutes. It's rated R. Production budget of $68 million. It came out on March 16th. 2001, that is my sister's birthday. Ooh. Not 2000, March 16th, not 2001. <laughs> uh, opening weekend, it did $13.8 million. Domestic, 51.4. International, 45.5. For a worldwide total of $96.9 million. International being lower kind of surprised me, but whatever. Mm. Production company was Mandalay Pictures and uh, Reparage Films. I think I said that right. Uh, it was distributed in the United States by Paramount Pictures. It was distributed in the UK and France by Pathé Distribution. It was distributed in Germany by Constantin Film and then internationally by Summit Entertainment. So it had a bunch of different distros. Said so it came out on the 16th of March. It went up against in a wide release Exit Wounds, the DMX uh, action film. Uh, and oh, is it action? It's action. No, it's action. Yeah. Uh, it also went up in a limited release, The Dish and Memento, which I probably saw Memento that weekend. <laughs> the week after the 23rd of March, you had Heartbreakers, Say It Isn't So, and The Brothers. And then the week before, March 9th, you had a wide release of 15 minutes and Get Over It. And then a limited release of Blow Dry. Any of those movies ring a bell, Butler? Uh, Blow Dry does not. The Brothers, I don't know if it does. 
what was the one before blow dry? Get over it. Yeah, I don't know what that is either off the top of my head. Get over it is kind of like bring it on. Okay. I think it was in that. I think it was in that cheerleading world. I'm not sure. I want to say I saw it, but I saw 15 minutes. Yeah. 15 minutes. I know the dish. I know obviously memento. Mm-hmm. I know. Um, mm-hmm. And whatever the first one you said you listed was. Uh, exit exit wounds? wounds. Obviously I've seen. Yeah. I think that week I probably saw exit wounds. Cause it was just this the action was- film of the week. Oh, right. This movie was directed by Jean-Jacques Canute, who's in The Name of the Rose and Seven Years in Tibet. He also wrote this film with Elaine Goddard. Uh, I know it has uh, written Wolf Totem and Day of the Falcon. I think he directed those as well. And Goddard has done Palace and Dracula and Son. Uh, cinematography was Robert Frace, who was nominated for an Oscar for The Lover. He also did The Ronin and Hotel Rwanda. Uh, this movie had music was composed by James Horner, uh, who we've talked about on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's won Oscars for Titanic. He was nominated for Avatar and did The Mask of Zora. Moving on, edited by <laughs> Noel Bowson and Humphrey Dixon. Bowson has done uh, was not was uh, nominated for an Oscar for The Bear, and she did Cyr- uh, uh, yes, she did Cyrano de Bergerac. Burb de Bergerac. De Bergerac. Jeez, Michael uh, Dixon has done Wimbledon and A Simple Twist of Fate. Uh, Anode has also produced this film along with John D. Schofield, and Anode has done um, Genghis Khan and Genghis Khan. Wow. And Wings of Courage. And then Schofield has done Jerry Maguire and Ali, just to name a few. I can't believe I couldn't say Khan. <laughs> <laughs> this movie stars Jude Law as Vasily, was nominated for, for an Oscar for Cold Mountain and the talented Mr. Ripley. He's also plays Watson in the uh, Guy Ritchie Sherlock Holmes series, which I think they're shooting the third one, right? Uh, yeah, they're supposed to start. Yeah. Joseph Fiennes plays Commissar Denilov, who was in Shakespeare in Love. Risen and the TV show The Handmaid's Tale. Rachel Vise plays Tanya. Her last name's Chernova, but we just call her Tanya in the movie. So <laughs> that's what we're going to call her. Uh, she won an Oscar for The Constant Gardener and she was nominated for The Favorite. She's also in The Mummy one and two. Not, is she in three? No, they no. recast her in three. Right. Three's got, who, is, who plays her character in three? Oh, I don't remember that. That was one of the few movies I wanted to walk out of. I hate the, the, dra- <laughs> the dragon oh, tomb is so bad. It's, um, it's Maria Bello. Maria okay. Bello plays her. Uh, Bob Hoskins as Nikita Khrushchev. Yes, the the Nikita Khrushchev. That one. <laughs> uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for Mona Lisa. He's also in Who Framed Roger Rabbit and The Long Good Friday. Oh, you're not going to list the Excuse Mario me. Brothers movie? <laughs> <laughs> <Back> off. <laughs> and he's he is the uh, only Mario, right? The only that's Mario, the, that's not it. Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt doing a regular voice, thinking he's Mario. That that trailer looked lame. Oh, I like. I was just like, Ugh. I like the Bowser scene. Of course you do. You're going to go see it. Of course you're, I see it. Super Mario. You're going to go see it. They've got your money already, Butler. You've, they've got your money uh, already. I've got a bunch of guest pass stashed away from my theater days. I'm getting it well, for now, free. Now they know that, though. Now that I'm going to have to let them know to be a heads up on that. They don't know the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Ed Harris plays Major Koenig, who is uh, nominated for an Oscar. He's nominated for four Oscars. Can you name the movies? Never won. History They're of Violence? No, no, we're already, we're already, in, eh, you have three strikes, Ugh. strike one. I'm giving up. I'm giving up. I'm going to get them. Why? I'm going really? to get them all wrong. Yeah. Really? Off the top of my head right now. I can't think of them. Hold on. Hold wow. on. Hold on. I'm just going to, I'm not going to look at his nomination. I'm just going to look at his I'm going to give you a line. I'm going to give you, no, no, no. I'm going to give you, I'll give you a line from one of the films. Okay. You're going to get it. We have never lost an American in space and we're not going to lose one on my oh, watch. Apollo 13. Thank you. Thank you. 
I'll give you another line from the other movie. Cue the sun. Oh, Truman. Sh- he was nominated for the Truman Show? Yeah. He's awesome in the Truman oh, Show. and the other one's going to be Pollock. That's three. You're forgetting the fourth one. Fuck. He's not in the fourth one. He is, he is not, he's a co-lead. He's not, it's, it's not his movie. Ooh. It's about, it's about a famous writer. He's not an adaptation, is he? No, he's in the hours. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I just like to say that I'm really happy that I was able to do that Apollo 13 line. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, Ed Harris is awesome, everyone. He's also in The Abyss, which I love. Uh, the director's version. The director's cut, everyone. The director's cut of The Abyss. He's also in Needful Things. The, again, the extended director's cut of Needful Things. I recommend that highly. I think the director's cut oh. is now streaming on Hulu. Excellent. That reminds me, and I think I've said this before, the director's cut of or uh, the unrated version of Storm of the Century is also on Hulu, which I want to see because I hear that's really you good. You did say that a few episodes ago. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm saying it again. Hulu, I'm giving you free advertising. I wonder here. if Hulu's got like a license for Steven Spielberg or Stephen uh, King stuff. Maybe. Well, probably because they did. Castle um, Rock was all that too. Yeah. Which I really like that show. I'm really kind of bummed they canceled it. 11, they did 11, 63. Yep. Uh, they, that was there. So yeah, no, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I missed the Stephen King miniseries that were usually on ABC and I am all for bringing those back. Even if you redo them for Hulu, I'm all about that. Sure. I mean, if you could do the Langoliers a little bit better, I, I'm okay with that. I've never read the book. But the movie is obviously not good. <laughs> the, 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 the effects are really not great. Yeah. Anyways. So, and my last note is Ron Perlman's in this as Kulikov. He's in obviously the original Hellboy one and two, and he's the TV show Sons of Anarchy. R.I.P. Kulikov. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, so, oh God. All right. So you put this on the list. I did. Yes. And I had seen this film when it came out of the theater. So, and what's funny is I remembered some of it, but not all of it. And, but when I, when we watched it, when I was watching it, um, a lot of the, my same notes came back to me in terms of like, I remember what I thought of it in terms of what I liked, what I didn't like, but you, when did you see that you saw this one time back in the I day? Saw never again. One time it was either in the theaters or as soon as it came out. Um, on, on VHS where back in the day you would go and be like, oh, this movie's out now. Let me rent this. And you would go through and there'd be, you know, 50 versions of this VHS tape, uh, mm-hmm. box and you would check the back to make sure someone actually had it, you know, available to mm-hmm. you to rent. And like, it was like the last box on the bottom shelf and we're like, yeah, we got it. Let's rent it. Um, <laughs> so I think I watched it that way and I have not watched it since I maybe have seen, I know I've seen at least the clip at the very end where Jude Law, spoiler alert, meets back up with Rachel Wise's character. Um, oh. And I think that is probably the only thing I've actually seen of the movie since I watched it initially. And I did not remember a lot of the movie. I remember a few points, but there's a lot of it that I think I made up in my head in terms of the look <laughs> of the movie. And I think that the movie doesn't hold up as well with, you know, mid thirties me as it did with 2001. I was probably 14, 15. Uh, it definitely hit me a little bit like more like, Oh, that's a pretty cool movie back when I hadn't seen quite so many good war movies. Um, mm-hmm. not that this isn't a good war movie. It's okay. But I don't think it mm-hmm. was as good as I remember it. It definitely is flawed. I didn't confuse this with this movie, but did you confuse a lot of this film with hearts war? The 2002 Bruce Willis World War II movie? No. 
Okay. Cause, cause they do felt very similar, but my big note in this film is that I felt like the second act and the third act just with second act got lost mm-hmm. and the third act, I'm just like, uh, like it just snowballed into that. Um, there's moments in this film. I like it's got good uh, moments, but, but yeah, but there's more, there's a lot of moments in this film that I just, I come away with more questions than satisfaction. I should, I don't want to say I hated it, but I just, I just have questions. I don't understand some stuff that's, that's going on here. It, it, it felt very long. I, I paused it at one point because they get to the stuff between Koenig and Vasily, the two sharpshooters, right. like they're going to meet. And I'm like, oh, this is, feels like the end. And I paused it. This is and midway like, through. I, I had an hour to go. And I was like, what? I had the same reaction. I was like, I thought this was kind of like toward the end of the movie. Like the, this was the yeah. escalation. Yeah. They definitely don't so, do pacing wise. This movie has got terrible pacing. It does. There's no, it seems like it starts off with a bang. They they get all these Russian soldiers soldiers forced off the train, forced into boats, forced over to go to Stalingrad to just start. Here's your gun, like you said. Here's your ammo. If the guy in front of you falls out with the rifle, pick it up, put the ammo in, and go. Uh, because they don't have enough guns. Yep. Just go, run, go, go, run. Yep. If you run, retreat, run. you're gonna get shot. Right. Uh. So it's just. I mean, it, it it's it's a thing and. <laughs> It starts off like that and then it just stops. It's, it just grind, go, grinds down. And now we are, what are we doing? We're underground. We're part. I, I had a, one of the things, one of my notes is I had a very tough time figuring out the geography of where everybody was in Stalingrad yeah. because they seemed like they always just ran into each other. Agreed. You know, like, right. You know, like, uh, Danilov is headquarters come. He, he wants, because he obviously likes Tanya. He, he, he wants, he, when he meets her, he wants her to come to headquarters to work at headquarters. I assume headquarters is, I don't know where on the other side of the water. Like, I don't know what's going on. There are multiple times where it's like the newspaper printing thing looked like at the very beginning, it's right on the front lines. They're putting that hardcore bombs are flying. And then there's other times where the newspaper headquarters would, like you said, with headquarters with Tanya, look like it's miles back, probably on the other side of the river, completely safe. Right. And I, and, and how does Vasily get yeah. across that easily? I don't know. Uh, and, and then it's like one set, but like everything's in the one set, yep. the factory. The, the, the chemical uh, factory where they're, they're on the shores, but they're not really on the shores. I, I don't, the whole, the whole uh, fountain in the middle, that whole, that whole area, they keep going to that area. Like, that's the thing. I just, I didn't understand where everybody was. And it, and it was really just, at one point I gave up. I was just like, <laughs> okay, we're just, we're in one spot. I don't know what's happening. The here. Stalingrad sets look cool, but then as yeah. the movie goes on, you start to realize they really don't have a lot of sets. Like, Oh, he's in right. the he's in the factory with the yellow. There's only one factory that makes that yellow soot. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's on the other side of town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as opposed to the factory that we're in on this side of town, even though that factory is exactly the same as the factory we're already in, because we clearly don't have the budget to make a lot of factory. <laughs> it's just kind of like, all right, everything's in the factory. Everything's a factory. Right. Whereas you get like movies like, and I don't think it's fair to compare every movie to Saving Private Ryan that's World War II because not just because Steven Spielberg's awesome but because it's got a bigger budget when they go into the towns and Saving Private Ryan and also Band of Brothers and stuff you get this sweeping kind of image of the town all the time where you kind of get a sense of all right this is a huge town here's where certain things are even if they're bombed out 
and you get that expanse of them and they do it a little bit in this movie where they run across the street to not get shot at. But in the other movies, they much wider angles to not try to hide things, to kind of show you and give you a sense of place. And because you don't really get a sense of place here, it all, like you said, it looks like it takes place in one sewer system and then like one factory. You're talking about the end of Saving Private Ryan, Ryan, when they're trying to fend off the on horde of the Nazis are coming and they're trying to pin them into that bridge, that whole thing. That's probably the yeah. best. But even the moment when they first visit the visit the first town in Normandy, when Vin Diesel's character gets shot. They still give you a oh, nice spoiler. Sorry. Spoilers for a I'm movie sorry. that you should have seen that we're not even talking about. Uh, when he's walking in, uh, they give you that nice expansive shot of like where the town is and you know where the snipers are. And that's another sniper scene as well. And in this, it's like, we don't really get a chance to like know where the sniper is or figure it out on our own. We have to be told because there's no friggin' way we're going to figure it out with the enclosed set that all look the same. Mm-hmm. No, I, th- uh, I think that's a, that's a, that's a big, that's a big issue because you'd like to know where everything's set up. You don't ever have, it, it just seems like much like they push the Russians to just start fighting. It's like, that's all it is now. It's like, okay, we're fighting. Now, you know, there's a war going on. We're not going to explain anything else in terms of where the German Germans are, where we are, you know, where, we're, where we're always fighting. Like I remember like the movie, this is a weird reference, but I remember the movie Hamburger Hill and the whole premise of that movie is that they take the hill. Mm-hmm. And then they, and then they lose the hill because they, they it kind of goes back and forth. Like that's the whole thing. Um, but you knew that you don't like, right. even if you told me in this movie, like we take the city and then we lose the city the next day and we keep going back and forth. Like that's how it works. Right. Okay. I'm fine with that. That, that explains to me why we're in one locate one location and they're going back and forth. Okay, great. But that's never explained. And again, they always keep running into each other in this underground area I don't know. You never see the Germans until you never see the Germans in full force until they go and do that invasion. Right. To, to kind of give Vasily some kind of edge so that he can take him out. Is it an edge or but is the, it basically Donald of kind of like going, I hope you die. And then feeling real bad I, well, about it. <laughs> we can get to that. But like they talk about, we're going to, you're going to, you're going to have a chance to get him in this assault. And it's like the assault was like five minutes. Yeah. And, and he, he guys, he fell asleep during the whole freaking thing. I know. I know. Let's talk about that stuff. Let's talk about the love triangle. Okay. Like, never mind the fact that when Danilov meets Vasily, and it's a cool scene how Vasily kills all those people with the rifle, and Danilov has that idea because Khrushchev comes in and he's like, you know, I need ideas. What we're we gonna do? We can't just, you know, and 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 Danilov's like, make a hero. Give give the people somebody. Yeah. To, stop to just fight. killing everybody all the time. Your own right. people. Which is a great, which is you know, a great idea. So, we, but like that whole celebration aspect of it. I'm getting to the, I'm getting to the plot. I'm getting to the love triangle. I'm just working my right. way up to that. The whole, the whole celebration of like, you're in the paper, the front page, not this, not the society section, not this section, the front page. Whoa. Whoa. I'm like, what are we like? You made it. Like my quote is like, look, Vasily, you made the propaganda rag. It's like, what, what are we doing that here? Was one of my notes is like, you made the front page of the war paper. You didn't make f- the front page of the Moscow times. You made yeah, front, I, you made the front page of the paper that's going out to the soldiers that are within five seconds feet feet of you. These people typing the newspaper are the people getting the newspaper, basically. Yeah, and the celebration was over the top, whatever. And then you meet Tanya. But it's almost like they had and, to make them friends real quick, which is why the celebration's over the top, right? It, and and the whole stuff with the Tanya character, how Vasily doesn't really. He just kind of gives her a couple of looks. He he thinks she's attractive, but you know, I never got the sense that Vasily was like going for oh, her. Never, no. And they're, and the whole thing where they're writing letters and like, we have to write our letters and, and because Vasily doesn't know how to write well, Danilov helps him. But then Danilov 
likes sees Tanya, and of course he's attracted to her because she can read German uh, for some reason because she's a, she's she's educated, right? So then. And so then he starts embarrassing Facili about helping him spell words. So like my note is like, Facili, you're great. Wait, a woman? Facili, you're an, you're illiterate. <laughs> like he just completely just throws him under the bus. Baseball Cole with and, a K, you friggin' moron. Yeah, I know. I, I was just like, this, like, this is so yeah. overt and so like on the nose and so childish. It's very middle school, high school. Yeah. Yeah. And that is my other note in this movie is some people, sometimes it feels like these, these not everyone in this movie realizes that they're in a war. Like it feels like, like I get it. There's some moments where you have that levity because you, or you'll just break down and cry. I get that. Right. But I, but a lot of times the way characters are acting in this, it just doesn't feel like they're fighting. It doesn't feel like they're, they understand this. There's definitely like his snipers does don't make sense. Like mm -hmm. making out like just because they left just to put that in there. Like, Oh, the ladies are making yeah. out. It's like put they, that when they're no, back at home base. No, that's not when when the two people that they're he's with start macking it when they're, they're kissing. Like, yeah. The guy and girl. Was it the guy and girl? I thought it was two girls. Yeah. No, because it's the, it's the guy that gets it's the guy. It's the first guy that Kona kills. And I think when he's sitting there smoking a cigarette as he's waiting for them, they think they kill the major. Right. And yeah. That's only so that you that you can have that. Oh no, he died, and they were they were a couple like that. No, I didn't really give a shit. I was just like yeah. the making out was just like. Completely inappropriate while you're on the battlefield. It's it like, just, just do it dumb. back at your base. Yeah. yeah. And then when yeah. the other girl's like, okay, I got to leave. I got to leave. I got to leave. I got to leave. Yeah. She just suddenly just, you yeah, know, the sniper's out. there and you're getting bombed. Why would you even move? Yeah. It's, it's just, just to, die. to die and show that, oh, this yeah. guy's a crazy shot. <laughs> so I know, I know I said I was going to, we were talking about the love triangle. One of my notes is, does Tanya need to be in this film? No. At all? No. Right. It, it's like, it's like, She's in it. Rachel Weisz's character is in this movie solely to just pit Vasily and Donalov against each other. And she serves no other purpose. And it's like, that's ridiculous. It's like, come on. You couldn't give her something else. She does nothing. She flies off the handle. She's not very good because she's just starting out. And if the movie wasn't the movie, well, I don't understand. Oh, if ahead, you want to do a love triangle, the movie has to take place over a certain, a longer amount of time. Vasily and mm -hmm. Donalov have to be friends to begin with. They can't just be made up friends that you started three days ago. So the movie doesn't take place over a long amount of time. If you start at the beginning of the war and like basic training or something, or you're just shipping out and you meet her and then four years later, but it's not four years later. You're in Stalingrad at the height of the war. This is the most important battle of all of Russia. One of the deadliest battles on the Russian side. It's just like, this is not the time for this, this shit. And it's not the time like this love triangle doesn't make sense when he's only just met the other guy. Well, it's a deadliest battle because you just keep throwing people in there, not caring if they're going to get oh, moved sure, down. Yeah, yeah. But she's not in the army; she's a resistance fighter, which I don't understand how she got to that point. But she's not actually I, Russian, right? I she emigrated I, off over from I, Germany. I have no idea what she's doing in the belly of Stalingrad, with the exception of she's helping this woman. Her, her mother's there. That's her mother, and that's her brother. And well, that's not her real mother. That's what she calls it. She calls it her. That's her mother. The, the, mo says the mother that. says that's my daughter, but she was just taking care of the boy. Like babysitting. Oh, okay, fine. That's why when that's why he can't find her at the end because she's changed but her name. I don't I don't understand. She's she's so she's part of the resistance. And yet she's also working with Russian high command at the headquarters. I don't only because Donald love recruits her because she knows German. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I, 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 I just don't. I didn't mind that. 
I, but I don't understand why she's in the film. I, and just a great don't get me started just to make a Shakespearean. Don't, don't get me started on the sex scene. Oh, the that quiet is sex, the stupid ridiculous. quiet sex. That is ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody's doing I, that's that. That's one of the few Nobody's things I did doing remember that. from the movie. And no one's looking around. No. So he, for people who don't know, uh, they're in this bunker uh, underground. And there's like 50 men sleeping all next to each other. And she walks over and she gets up next to him and they proceed to have this, like they proceed to have sex. And it's like, it doesn't make any, it's so stupid. And like, I I think I joked or I talked to my buddy about this. I'm like, like at at one point did, did Rachel Weisz go to the director and be like, would I really do this? And he's like, Oh yes, yes, Yes. this would happen. Yes, this would happen. This would not happen. Rachel, we need to see your butt on camera. (laughs) I just, I didn't, I, I, that felt stupid. It was, that felt ridiculous. Yeah. That felt dumb because I think that, so it felt, I should say it felt super unrealistic. And I also think that it kind of, it kind of takes away from later on in the movie where she talks to him and she says, she tells him, I love you. You know, when she's like, I thought you were dead and, and, you know, I knew you weren't dead because I, uh, you know, I've only just met you. Right. <laughs> but, and yeah, right. And, but like, and then she says, I love you, but you just had sex with him like 10 minutes ago. So th- that takes away from the scene of you confessing your love I, 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 in some way. It just felt like, uh, I don't get this. It also, that scene also felt like her emotion in that scene when she was worried about him. Felt like that should have come the, after the first time he was missing in action when they thought he was dead and he hadn't returned. You know what I mean? Like that when he fell asleep, right. I almost felt like, was this out of place? Because it felt weird. Her emotion felt weird because I didn't realize he was, he hadn't come back again. Like I didn't realize he was missing her, or she thought that he was dead. Total obsession with him makes absolutely no sense to begin with. Other than that, he's right. a hero, which is just kind of gen- generic. It's not really true love or true feelings they never really get any kind of like emotional point like that other than her saying that her parents died mm-hmm. you know what he says later about wanting the factory that comes after she's already gaga for him like mm-hmm. that just completely forced mm-hmm. like that it would have to be something where it would take takes place over a longer amount of time not three days and there was a moment before that scene when she confesses to her love to him where for some reason Dana love like Drives hard to the lane for her for like, just completely just kind of like goes for her. Oh yeah, for sure. And it was just like, for no reason. And I'm just like, this makes this like, this is what I was talking about where the second act mired and got lost and it kind of rolled into the third act. I, it was just all over the place. And I didn't understand. I need you time. Motivation. Hardcore. I know we've only talked like three times. Right. <laughs> like these are just characters making decisions to push plot along. And that's not how it works. <laughs> My other big thing in the movie is that, they keep wanting Vasily to go on a hero's journey. I'm not a hero. I'm not a hero. I don't want to do this. You know, he's better than me. And, but he never gets a hero's journey. He never gets better. He never gets worse. Donilov has to get the drop on, like show, um, he doesn't even show him where, uh, Ed Harris's character is. Ed Harris just comes out from hiding. Doesn't show him where he is. His death is almost meaningless. 
It's dumb. It, Daniel, loved, uh, Daniel loved sacrificing himself is dumb. It's so stupid. And it's like, your character doesn't get any better. He doesn't go on a journey. He doesn't learn anything. They set up this mm-hmm. huge flashback with his grandfather and the and um, the wolf. It's how the film opens, where young Vasily is supposed to kill a wolf. And they're using their own horse's bait. And Vasily chokes. And the horse gets all messed up. The grandfather has to take the gun from him and shoot the wolf. And probably the horse as well. And young Vasily cries. You get the you get this nightmare what three times during the movie? Uh you get it. Yes, I think so. So it's just like it doesn't ever give you like I, I'm sure the director's like oh it means this and this. It doesn't mean shit to the movie. It doesn't mean anything because it never really comes up. Vasily mm. never really chokes. He's just kind of afraid of this guy, but he never chokes. He's never not ready to shoot him. It, my joke for joke for the opening was that it was ASMR murdering a wolf. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. It's like he's not. He needs to go on a hero's journey, but you can't give him on a hero's journey because you're wasting your time with this love triangle crap that makes no sense. Well, the other problem is that they, they he starts off as this like naive, scared farm boy. That's how they present him when he first starts off. Oh, he's sure, not yeah. saying, you know. And then it becomes the seasoned sniper, but that happens. That transformation happens during a montage. Like it montages over that. And so I think that what you're talking about is in that montage, but we don't see it in terms of in, throughout the story. Sure, yeah. So we can't connect with it. So I think, and then, and then like you say, the love triangles force, which is like, it's almost like get out of here. <laughs> like if you gave me when Koenig shows up and then you give me 30 to 45 minutes of the rest of the movie where they're just going back and forth. That's fine. That's better than all this other stuff with with Tanya and Danilov and all that stuff. That's in the way. It admires the movie, and yeah. Yeah, it's just it's not what I want. It's not what I want at all. And it's like you you like you say you're bringing nothing to the table. So just go away. Get out of here. It's such a contrived plot that makes absolutely no sense. Rachel Wise's character who's supposed to be super intelligent is all of a sudden incredibly stupid and impulsive and naive when it comes to everything just because all of a sudden now she's in love with facility. Whereas you presented her as somebody who's supposed to be smart and intercepting transmissions yes. and fighting for the resistance. Yes. She's educated. She, yes, she speaks German and, but, but she's tossing all that away for a guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's so dumb. It's just uh, God, it's so annoying. And I think also byproduct of that is everything that happens to Kulikov with Ron Perlman's character, because you, oh, you bring this waste. guy up <laughs> it's, and you, you meet him and then you find out who he is. And then you see like, they go out, they go off to go get it. And like, he's a cool character. Yep. And then we lose him 10 minutes after we meet him. And it's like, number one, when they had the third guy with them, I was like, this, th- this third guy's here just to die. Right. And, like, like, this, and then, yeah. And Not then, only does he die, they don't even mention him when they leave. Right. <laughs> just, he goes to go get soup. And then the next time you see him, he's like, we co- he's captured. He's captured. He's and a Nazi. And then Vasily, ki- or not, uh, Kulikov accidentally kills him, thinking he's a Nazi. Yeah, but yeah. And then he sh- they shoot him because they set it up so that he, he and then Koenig, it's so bad because then they never bring up the fact that he's never come back. And they're just kind of like, do, do, do. And then the way Ron Perlman dies is so dumb. So ridiculous. Like he jumps and then he turns to face the camera, like, and almost like smiles and gets his head blown no, off. And I was just he, like, 
jumps, gets his head blown off, and then turns and smiles so to the bad. camera. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's so like what a waste of a character. You've you've got another a Kulikov character who, who knows Koenig because he he trained with him or he trained underneath him. So he knows him. He was him. there like, in that Germany was, yet learning. That was the whole thing. And you don't ever give us anything between the two of them where he would recognize him and notice him in any of that. He's a character you get, you know, for 10 minutes and you learn more about his character than any other character in the film trained with or trained under Koenig or at least met him under Germany when he was studying in Germany and he learned all this stuff. He doesn't like Marxism or socialism. He's not a fan of the Soviet union when he came back home because he was forced to the Soviet union punched out all his teeth and tortured him. Like you learn this guy's whole history. He grew up on a farm just like Vasily. So they're kind of like one in the same. He's the yeah. perfect mentor character for Vasily. He should be the one toward the end, not this little shit kid who nobody cares about who gets killed. And that's why Vasily goes on his revenge mission at the end. Right. Oh, the Sasha. Yeah, I don't Sasha, care about this kid playing sides. I don't. I don't. And it, it was funny because a lot of my notes were like, does this kid not get it? Does this kid just not get that he's going to die? He's stupidly playing both sides. Right. But I didn't see that's the thing too. Like it, it felt like in the movie, like I know it was a reveal that he was really helping the Russians, but it felt like they didn't know when they were making the film that he was going to like, it almost like they're like, you know what? And then he's going to turn. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It felt like they that came up on the fly. And I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. What about turn of like helping? Like he still wanted the Russians to win because you get those the scenes in the presented, thing, like yeah. seeing his hand shot and stuff like that. Well, yeah, but he like didn't know the, he was the, actively helping. Right. That, that's the thing. Like the fact that he's like, I've seen that gun. I, I Vasily has that gun. I'm like, why is that like, did Danilov tell you to say that? That's how you win his favor? Like, n- no. Because Danilov says this was all Sasha's idea yep. and Sasha came to me. So so now we're supposed to think that Sasha was the one that engineered this bullshit. No, because Sasha almost gets Vasily killed in the factory. Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, that wasn't like that was actual information that Vasily was super lucky to have survived. Right. Right. So I, I again, I don't again, I, I, another thing that bugged me. Also, a straight on bullet to your hand doesn't create like a little scrape on your hand. It's just like, ooh, ow, yeah. Let me just put a bandaid <laughs> and a glove on. I'm good for my next go around. That bullet went into your hand, bro. You got no Let's fingers. Talk- <laughs> so you're talking about the scene when the, he he pins Vasily down because he he catches him coming. You know, because Vasily tries to. What's funny about that scene is Vasily knows where he's going. He's like, I know where he's going to be hiding. Okay, he's at the catwalk. Fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to catch him. We're going to go around. Okay, you're going to catch him. Can you not be so fucking loud nope. in the pipes? <laughs> like, can you not like shake and move and like you, you're going to get caught? Like, I don't understand that. And then he hides behind the only piece of cover in the entire place that doesn't allow you to leave the cover. Right. That's just sheer pure luck that he leaves. Yeah. But that's, no, I mean, I, I guess that's part of it. Cause that's why he's like, I can't beat this guy. Did you notice the soundtrack was trying really hard to be Schindler's list, but not Schindler's list. Uh, well, I noticed that they had that one, they had the set, they had that song or that, excuse me, that score they composed that was obviously very popular in trailers back then. Mm-hmm. But, and I think they just kept going back to it. They just kept using it over and over and over again. There's one, cause I get, there's one song that goes a bunch of times and it's basically the opening, um, notes to Schindler's list. Like okay. the, na, 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 and just over and over mm-hmm. and over. And it's just like, that's Schindler's list. You can't copy a World War II movie by John Williams that won the Oscar and put it in your World War II movie. That's like, James come Warner on. Can. 
<laughs> I like James Gunn. I was just like, that's oh, come on, that's so close on, that's so on the nose. That's like when people put the like the dun, 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 and they don't realize they're just copying James Bond. It's like you hear that all the time. Those notes put together, and just like you can't put those notes together anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> no one's hearing that going. That's James Bond. That's James Bond. <laughs> so every time I heard it, I was just like, oh, come on, you're just ripping off a better score. Bob Hoskins is a highlight of this movie, though, as Khrushchev. I thought he was awesome. He's not in it enough. No, that's a pro. You know, that's a, that's that's the one thing he's not in it enough. He looks just like he him. does. Well, yeah, looks very similar. Yeah, no, he's really good in that. Because when it first I, popped I, up, I was like, "Is he the Khrushchev?" Because I didn't know Khrushchev was a big part of World War II. I don't have a problem with much of the performances. My only problem with like the whole Daniel Danilov and Tanya's character is that they're they're given nothing to do but this mopey stuff. Like they're just given nothing that's good. Like even Daniel like I was given absolutely nothing. Even Vasily is is one note. Vasily's yeah, he's very reactive to everything that's happening around him. He's not, you know what I mean. He's he's I don't want to say he's not giving anything because he is, but I I just get the feeling that it's just he's just reacting a lot of times. A lot of his like the one scene when he's trying to hunt down Koenig in the uh I guess building. And he knows where he is. Like that seems good with him. He's he's he. You get to see his sniper abilities. Sure, yeah. But everything else is just reacting a lot. And I just I don't know. I just I feel like you know less about Vasily's character, who's the main character, than you know about any other character in the entire thing. Yeah, because you're right. Because when you were talking about the scene in the beginning with him as a boy, that's never rectified. No, nope. they show it. But there's it never really there's no payoff. You don't know what happens after right, his grandfather right. never forgive him. Does he forgive him? It's never. Yeah, you don't. Um, you like we talked about how they montage over his hero. His uh, yeah, his ascension from to infantry be, to being sniper. a seasoned sniper. Right. So you don't ever see that, and then you just get this tete on tete against Major Koenig. But it's a lot of times it's him always two steps behind, never, never really getting an edge. Barely escaping at one point, and he never yeah, he, he never does, gets the <laughs> no when he does yeah it's pure like, stupid luck and Koenig being a moron that gets him uh, right he because he, he sits on the beach and he falls asleep and then yeah at the end it's just Koenig just finally just goes and checks the body and he just he kills him and it's like it's not he doesn't really outwit him in any way. Koenig beats himself. Yeah. Like you, like you said, you're right. So. And when he falls yeah. asleep, he just gets lucky. He doesn't get shot. Cause Koenig finds him. He knows what body is him asleep with the sniper rifle. And right. the scavenger just kind of like almost teabags him <laughs> and like blocks his <laughs> line of sight and it ruins it. It, it just, yeah, it's so stupid. Mm-hmm. And I know it's based on like a real story. I know Vasily existed or the story of Vasily existed. Who knows if he really did or if it was just propaganda. Um, That's true. But I I really find it hard to believe the falling asleep in the midst of an invasion uh, was was true. No, that that's probably I mean, the whole the whole romantic angles probably is obviously not real. Right. Um, You know, so no, I agree with you. Him falling asleep was probably not real as well. (laughs) (laughs) There's a line in this film by uh, Kulikov's character about the Ukrainians. (laughs) <laughs> like if it was really serious. They would just send the Ukrainians in as chaff. And I was like, 
oh damn that line hits different nowadays well the, a lot of stuff in this hits this hits different yeah. a lot of stuff in there is very similar to what's happening now in the world but um you know that's not unusual yeah you know that's just what it is what it is it's life or it's what war i guess <laughs> um so did you, they built the set of stalingrad from scratch uh, so that, that, so we talked about how, you know, it's a great set. It looks fantastic. And they built that up from scratch and they, uh, and it took five months for them to put that whole thing together. Um, no, I don't think that includes like the scenes in the warehouse. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah. Scenes, yeah. That's got to just be in a warehouse. I think they're talking about the, the, oh, where they're in that center where they have that fountain in the center mm-hmm. and they have all the, I think that's the set they're talking about that they built. And that the battle scenes were deemed too dangerous for, well, with so many extras in confined space to set off explosions by remote that they had stuntmen mixed in with the extras to set off the explosions by stepping on the pressure plates. So when they're, so all that stuff, the explosions. So if you go back and watch it, probably in the beginning when they're running, mm-hmm. those are stuntmen enacting the, the, uh, the pyrotechnic by stepping on it. Okay. So I thought, yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> So I guess in real life, Tanya and Vasily never met again. Mm-hmm. I guess uh, they th- both thought the other was dead and Tanya learned years later that he was alive and married, or at least <laughs> so she claimed. Vasily said they were never lovers and there were never any relationship. She was just trying to act like she was famous banging a sniper, I guess, the famous sniper, I guess. <laughs> well, in the movie, when he finds her in that hospital, she's like, she looks great. She looks better than anybody in that hospital. She, it's like her injuries are healed. She's got, she looks like she just took a shower. <laughs> it's just like, this is unreal. Yeah, well, she's been in there for three months. But yeah, why would she be, if she was really okay, why would she still be there three months later? Yeah. It's like, you got to go back they, out in the field. Oh no. Oh, it still hurts. I can't go back out. <laughs> and I didn't even realize this, but do you know he only killed two people he only has two times where he kills people in the whole movie silly like where you see him kill somebody where you see him kill the koenig and then when he kills the people at the very beginning well that those he kills five people or six people right yeah well so he kills a whole lot more after that stupid montage where we don't actually see that, him shoot anybody okay right right you don't see yeah again that's in the montage yeah so stupid <laughs> <laughs> What do you think about, because I know you're a big stickler for this. What do you think about the, the way they handled the, the fact that these are Russians and German speaking, um, for oh, an English audience? English? I mean, they just kind of just don't say anything. They just kind of, I, I, I think that I prefer it when they show the change. I, I think it's cool. Yeah. As do I, yeah. Ways to do it. But I can understand why you don't because um, you've got two different groups of people, two different languages. You'd have to do it for both Germany, German and Russian. So maybe that's why they didn't do it or whatever. Maybe they just were like, this is, it is what it is. I think it's weird that they Uh, let Ed Harris just do an American accent. Well, speaking of that, why is Ron Perlman doing a British accent? Because everyone else is British. (laughs) <laughs> I prefer that over him just all of a sudden having an American accent unless you were well, going to do like the Russians are English speaking or have English accents and the Germans have American accents to differentiate. Well, I can't. I'm trying to think of other Germans that talked in Koenig's this commander and, talks. He's got a British he, accent. 
Okay. And then the they- at the very beginning, the Germans say, we're, we're the Third Reich. We're not your enemy. You know, Stalin's your enemy. He sends you out here to die. It's an unwinnable war. Come to the German side. We'll feed you, clothe you. Um, mm-hmm. And that's in an English accent. Well, he's also speaking Russian then. Right. For that. Right. True. So, but I hear you. I, I, I yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I think it, I, I like it. I like seeing it when they do it. Right. But like, I don't know if, you know, uh, I guess what would it, would I be cool with if this was a, if they spoke the language and it was subtitled maybe, but did different actors then. Yeah, but also make me more frustrated by the plot. It's so I stupid and inco- incoherent. Then all of a sudden, I got to read subtitles, and I'd be like, "Am I missing something?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, after watching this, and I actually did the notes first. I thought I was going to get a lot of stuff with the script being changed constantly because this felt like it had revisions, and it felt like it had uh, changes made on the fly. Oh, for sure, um, yeah. It just it felt muddied. And like I like we, we already talked about, like it felt like the romantic stuff was shoved in there. So I I was surprised I didn't get any of that. Um, so I mean, if this was the original script, that, that's I'm in, I'm I would love to know what exactly were tr- what were you trying to say? Was it not a story about Facility versus Koenig? Was it about you know the love triangle? Because then you don't need the other sniper. You don't. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. You don't need, yeah. So I, is it, are you trying to do a war movie, but you really wanted to do a love story? I, I, it just felt like there was a disconnect there. See, a lot of people don't like Cold Mountain, mm-hmm. which I like Cold Mountain, although I haven't seen it in a long time, but I think Cold Mountain did a really good job of being kind of a love story that takes place during a war mm-hmm. by taking away the war part of it. And I feel like this doesn't, like you said, doesn't know what it wants to do. There's too much war for it to be a war movie, but there's too much of this bland just wrote Shakespearean uh, love triangle that doesn't need to be there taking up so much of the real estate. The movie is already two hours and 11 minutes and so much of it is taken up by that that just crap. And you introduce Koenig way too quick and you kill off the character you know the most about and Ron Perlman's character way too quick and introduce him or just introduce him way too late. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, I always think of atonement. When I think of rom- romance in a war film with James McAvoy, mm-hmm. World War One, right? I always think of that. That's a good that one movie. too. Yeah, like that. The, give me that movie. If that's the movie you want to do, give me that movie. But if you're trying to give me an action film, give me an action film. You know what I mean? Like, just go go more action. Give me more. Give me war action stuff. That's what I want. You definitely need your hero killing more than five soldiers and then getting the sneak on Koenig. You need to show me yeah. why he's a hero and you need to go on the hero's journey. And also I, the, my biggest problem with the film is the dreams. That's probably one of my biggest problem. The dreams lead nowhere and mean nothing. Well, and also, and not that I like, like I said, we, like we've always said, we hate to just say like, you should do this in films because it's not our movies, um, you know, in terms of dictating what the story right. should be, but. If you want to do the Koenig stuff in terms of the back and forth, have Koenig hunt him down and he kills his friends and kills who kills Tanya. And then he goes back to not to Germany, but he goes back to some other base in Russia and have Vasily hunt him down. You know, show me Vasily skills uh, yeah. so that, you know what I mean? But they, they, like you said, they never do that. That, that would be a hero's journey, which they don't, 
You know, I know, I know. So yeah. I also um, remember this movie a little different. I remember the movie being going from gray and turning orange as the movie went on. And maybe that's just because I saw the poster or I'm confusing this with another World War II movie that does the same where the movie goes from dark gray skies to like an orange, like sunset kind of mm-hmm. look. And that's when he kills Koenig is like a, it's very orange, very bright kind of look. And I'm not sure what I'm thinking about, but that's what I remember in my head. That reminds me of 1917. That was definitely it. But I mean, obviously I saw this movie a long time before 1917. No, 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 no yeah. I know that, that, but what you're saying, and I'm thinking when you, when you see the pops of the orange color, I'm thinking of the scene It was that very night. evocative of that night scene. Yeah. yeah. That's what I remember. Yeah. It's like daytime or morning and there's that mm-hmm. orange, orange hue. And it, I didn't mm-hmm. get that in this movie. And I was like, what movie am I thinking of? Or am I just really creating my own story in my head at this point? Maybe. One of my other notes is that they created prosthetics corpses. It took 300 people to do it. Uh, and it took five months. They made all these fake bodies. I do kind of believe that there are a lot of fake bo- dead bodies in this movie or dead bodies in general. I don't know if they were fake or extra. That, that reminds me of the, when they made the corpses for uh war of the worlds and they, and uh, Naugatuck oh, yeah. over here and they had them floating down the river and a few escaped <laughs> and, people were, and people were calling the cops saying like, there's a dead body in the river. That's awesome. Um, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that, that reminded me of that. That don't remind me of that. Roger Ebert gave this film three stars, three out of four Butler and wrote that it is about two men placed in a situation where they have to try to use their intelligence and skills to kill each other. When an odd, or when the director focuses on that, the works with the works with rare concentration, additional plot stuff and romance are kind of a shame. So he kind of is saying what we're saying, but he gave the movie a higher grade than we are. (laughs) Yeah. You can't forgive that. I think that really ruins the movie. Yeah. I mean, sure. Some of that sniper stuff's great. Him being pinned in the factory is cool. Although he makes some stupid decisions. And, And when, you know, they're taking out, Although his he, spinning around after you get shot, the head is really dumb. That whole scene's really neat with the telephone line guys and trying to s- sneak them out. Yeah, they're smart. And that's 15 minutes of your two hour and 11 minute movie. Yeah. Yeah. No. Mm, Ebert. <laughs> Come on. New York's Peter Rainier was less kind saying that if it's as if an obsessed film nut had decided to collect every bad war film convention on one computer <laughs> and program it. To spit out a script. So he's saying AI wrote this. <laughs> I like that one. I believe that. <laughs> I mean, I do appreciate the fact that they're trying to keep up with history and keep up with what happened in real life. Like, I do appreciate that. The whole battle of Stalingrad. and But you don't really get a lot. It just happens to be Stalingrad's in the background. Well, yeah. And I've heard that the rich, the book that this is based on the the same name, the William Craig's book from 1973 is, is much better, which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, I'm interested to, I would, I mean, I'd be interested to read that book to actually see like where they, what they pull out of that for this movie. Probably not I much, just, but it, this is one of those films that I watched and I'm like, okay, I watched it. It's not, it's got some good stuff. Uh, I got some decent action, decent, decent scenes, but I can't, I just can't get myself to be like this. Oh, this is so good. You know what I mean? Like to, to, to recommend it. Yeah. It's a tough recommend. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I put it on the list, <laughs> but I hadn't seen it in so long. And it really does get convoluted with the love tryst. There's not enough. It's got an interesting concept. Like you don't see a lot from the Soviet side of the war, at least for Western audiences. And you don't get a lot of stuff that deals with like snipers. Mm-hmm. But I think that's a really interesting way, like specific look at warfares. You, you get infantry, you always get, you know, the airmen, you get a couple of like Navy movies, but you never really get, you know, the, the life of the sniper, that slow kind of the thinking man's shooting kind of action. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's a shame that you still don't really get that with this movie. Well, you, you get, um, there was a movie that came out. Probably 10 years ago, 2013. Oh, Stalingrad, the Russian Stalingrad, one. Stalingrad, yeah. And the, but that was like, that was so, that was, it, it, what's the word I'm looking for? It was big budget. It looked cool. Yeah. But it was really it was Russian like, propaganda kind of. Right. It felt very like, just like, um, like not like shoot them up, but like that, like that style of just kind of like unrealistic a little bit yes in terms of some of the action it was and, rah, and just rah, russia of, kind of like a like a guy Ritchie kind of yeah. stuff a little bit yeah i remember i had a lot of special effects a lot of special effects mm-hmm. uh and not not like not like practical effects but a lot of like cgi effects it was very like yeah and it was, it, was it long <sighs> wasn't it long i don't it's so long ago yeah, I just I just remembered that because I remember I, I remember watching the trailer for that and I was like, oh wow, that looks really interesting. I want to see that. And then I watched it and I'm like, eh, the trailer was better. <laughs> <laughs> it's slick, but yeah, it's very much like a I don't want to say like a foreign film, but like a foreign well, big was. budget a foreign big budget film where they kind of it's they almost do an American film big budget action film better than Americans, where it's just like super dumb special effect action. With very little story. Mm-hmm. They almost do it better than us. <laughs> Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> uh, one of the lines in the film that I commented on was when Vasily is talking to uh, Tanya and he's like, I always, I, I always wanted to work in a factory. <laughs> and I was like, dream bigger, Vasily, yeah. please. Dream bigger. <laughs> <sighs> A stupid dream for a man like me. <laughs> I know. And I, and he's talking about he wants to be a foreman. He wants to run the floor. Okay, fine. But like, that's not what you're saying. You're just saying you want to be in the, you want to work in the factory line. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> no, he wants, he wants to be the foreman because he wants to look over and have the bigger yeah, picture. That's what he says, but he's still saying just, uh, he doesn't realize what that is. Right. He's, yeah. Yeah. I just want to look at people from the top. Is that what you're applying for? You just want to look at people from, yeah, is that a job? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so why are we saying this is forgotten? Cause it's, cause the storyline is bad. <laughs> the love, the love triangle gets in the way of this entire film. It's cheesy. It's unrealistic. It's rushed. It's not the movie that's advertised and it's not, <sighs> It's not advertised as a love story and it's not good enough to be re-advertised as a love story. And there's not enough of the war stuff to make that interesting. It's two hours and 11 minutes and I feel like it shouldn't be <laughs> or it should be way longer. I, I don't know. I feel like it's got, it's got Jude Law, Rachel Wise is in it, Ed Harris. It's, it's got stars in it who still uh, command some kind of, you know, viewer respect today, but it's just, the fact of like, and especially now with 
it being the Russians as the heroes, you're not going to get anybody watching this. But I just don't think that the story holds up. It's it's just not. There are better things. If someone was like, "What World War II things would you recommend?" Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, uh, The Pacific, anything but this. Like, I would not. I don't <laughs> think I could recommend this. I, I mean, I'd, I'd recommend this over Midway, but I hated Midway. Oh, Midway's not. Yeah, Midway's not. Um, but yeah, it's just. I don't know if I could recommend this movie, and I think that's why it's kind of forgotten. It just it presents itself as a movie that when you start watching it, you realize it's not. Well, I see. I think you can tell by the the box office take that I think it's a movie that people saw and then they just the word of mouth didn't carry it. Like it was just like it's fine. Yeah. It's a film. I watched. I think it. that's yeah. I think I think a lot of people. I think this is one of those films that's forgotten because a lot of people saw it and they just were like, eh, okay, whatever. It's fine. You don't have to go back. And and maybe it's not. You know, like we always say in the opening is we recommend you revisit it. Yeah, I think Ed Harris is good in it. I think that. Oh, like you said, the performers are all right. performers are good. At, yeah. I, I like Rachel Weiss and I like Jude Law and Joseph Fiennes. The only problem with that is that they're not given a lot to do. Joseph Fiennes so I think, really kind of gets the shaft. He kind of gets a, right. like a puss roll. They're, yeah, they're not given enough to really let them shine. They're good. In, they're good enough, but they're just the, the, the content, the, the script fails them. Um, and, and, you know, it's too bad because with facility, like I said, he's a lot of, re- he's reactive a lot. So he, he doesn't really say a lot. Um, and I, I still hate the sex scene and I hate all that stuff that they tried to squeeze in. It just feels so forced. And it was just like, it was making me up. It was angering me um, because I'm just like, this is not, you, you, this is not something I need to see. It's, it, this is, this is, this is not helping. It's not going to say useless, but it's just, this isn't giving me anything, I guess, is what the whole love triangle it didn't give me anything that I wanted to see. I'd much rather see the two snipers go at it. Yep. And they do, but they just don't do it enough and they just don't do it well enough. And it was, you know, he's such a great, Vasily is such a great sniper, but he can't climb through a pipe quiet. <laughs> you know, like that kind of stuff. And it he falls asleep me. during the job. During an invasion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I like it, but I don't, it's a weird movie cause I like it, but I don't like it. I don't like that. I don't get to, I don't like that. I saw enough Ron Perlman, you know what I mean? Like, cause he's Ron he, the, Kulikov char- <laughs> yeah, the Kulikov character was probably one of the more fascinating characters in the movies and he's gone Yep. Yeah, like in 10, 15 minutes. So, you know, and just like us, we're gone. Where can they find us? You can find us on ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com. While you're there at ForgottenEntertainment.com, just check out all the other great podcasts and videos we have for you guys there, um, done by other people or done by some of us as well. And, uh, you know, you're listening to us on a podcast platform where I'm sure there's a like, a rating, a review tab maybe. Why don't you go ahead and uh, shower us with praise? Uh, We'd appreciate that. It would help our podcast grow. And then tell us uh, what you guys think of Enemy at the Gates or any good kind of under-the-radar World War II movies that you guys might recommend over Enemy at the Gates on the lobby uh, Forgotten Cinema's Facebook group. And next week, we'll be doing the 2011 film Take Me Home Tonight that is set in the 80s that stars Topher Grace and actually Chris Bratz in that too, (laughs) Which which I completely forgot about. Uh, and yes, Anna, me, Anna, Chris Pratt, <laughs> Anna Ferris, and a bunch of other people. Uh, did you see this film? I did not, but you talk about it all the time. How you like really I liked do. it? I remember really liking the trailer, and I just never got to it. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, 
I remember wanting to see this movie and I, I can't remember how I watched it. And I, I, you know, I, I, I've seen it before, so I've seen it a, a couple of times. It's funny. It's good. I, I don't know why it didn't do. I don't know why it didn't get like a bigger release or do well or anything like that. So this is one of those movies. Maybe it's made for this podcast. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's next week. Take me home tonight. Uh, until then, everyone have a great week. I'm Mike. Fair. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema.